chapter number one. And, and while you find your place there, if you could just turn to Galatians chapter two and Philippians chapter two for just a moment. <clears throat> I've been preaching from James chapter one, or started preaching through the book of James and and um, I believe that today will be the sixth message from verse number one on, um, on where it says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. And God willing, I, I, I think this will be the last verse on number one, on verse number one, or the last message on verse number one. Um, but, but I'd like to bring out today a message about um, a servant of God, um, the example of a biblical servant. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, oh, how I am dependent on your help this morning. I pray that you will forgive our sins, cleanse our unrighteousness. May nothing grieve the moving of the Holy Spirit. Search our hearts, Lord, and change us. How there is ever a movement before us for people to not be moved by the word of God. But Lord, how we ask of you to move us and change us and mold us according to your precious word. I pray that you'll be glorified. I pray you'd bring conviction where necessary. I pray, dear Lord, you'd bring comfort where necessary and encouragement where necessary. Help every person and lead God direct us in all things. May the will of the Lord be done. And may we, by the Holy Spirit and by the word of God, be molded to be a servant of God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I think of the verse, James 1.1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, no doubt, no doubt as we go through the entire book of James, if you're ever just, just feeling rough and like you just need to, to hear from God and, or need to get convicted or, or need to get moved, just open up and start reading through the book of James. It won't be long and you'll get cut every way that's possible. Because, because James, he's, he's cutting away at everything, intending to mold us into a servant of God. And, and, and I find it interesting, I believe it's actually Oliver B. Green's book on the book of James. I believe it's titled, James, the Servant of God. And, and the whole book, and as we, as we go through, we'll see how no doubt James is dealing with, with us being transformed into, into a servant. And as I don't know about you, I can't speak for you, but I can speak for me. When I, when I read this verse and, and I see James, a servant of God, I think, I think, well, how many times am I not a servant of God? How many times do I fall short of being a servant of God? A, a servant is one that is surrendered, submitted, yielded, and sold unto the will of another. But, but we, to the core of who we are, are selfish and our self-willed, and, and care for the things of our own desires and our own will. To, to be a servant is not a natural thing. And to have the spirit, to have the scriptural spirit of a servant of God is not something that comes natural to a human. This is something that will be birthed in you and I by the word of God and by the Holy Ghost. Do you know what that means? That means I have to change. That means you have to change. That means where I'm wrong, I have to repent. That means where you're wrong, you have to repent. And so it becomes a, 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 a difficult topic for people to deal with because people don't like to be wrong. 
And people don't like to have to change. But I don't like to have to change. Do you like to have to change? Do you like to have to admit that you're wrong? I don't think there's a person alive that just enjoys that. But we find here James, a servant of God, not a servant to himself, but a servant of God. And in message number one, we dealt with uh, the definition of a servant means to be sold to the will of another. So what James is dealing with in that verse is saying, James, I am sold to the will of God and not the will of myself. So if you'll look with me in Galatians chapter number two, I'd like to look at, at, at the, the scriptural example of a servant of God. Galatians chapter number two, verse number 20 this is the Apostle Paul, and, and, and he is one time in Scripture called an, a servant of God in Romans chapter 1, verse 1. But here, Galatians 2.20, the Apostle Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me, and gave himself for me. So this verse starts off by telling us that Paul crucif was crucified. He was crucified. That means that he died. And to be a servant, scripturally, I have to die to myself. You have to die to yourself. Otherwise, let's not lie to ourselves. We are no servant of God. We cannot serve God in ourselves. We cannot serve God in mammon. We cannot serve God in the world. We either serve God or the other. The Lord Jesus Christ made it clear, you cannot serve God in mammon. And so I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. So, so Paul's saying there that he's dead, but he lives. But let's go on and, and look at what he means by that. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I. But Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He's not living for himself. He's not living for his own desire. He's not living for his own will. He's not living for his own intentions, but he's saying that he's crucified. He's dead. And he's alive unto God. And he is surrendered, yielding his life unto the Lord. And those things that he does is Jesus Christ living through him. That's what God wants in your life. That's what God wants in my life. And if I'm going to be a servant of God, that's what I'm going to have to be. If you're going to be a servant of God, that's what you're going to have to be. And this will transform our lives in every way. This will take gossip out of the church. When's the last time you think the Lord Jesus Christ gathered at the temple and, and was in the back corner gossiping about somebody else in the church? It wasn't happening. The Apostle Paul, the servant of the Lord, said, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. This will take hatred out of the church. It'll take strife out of the church. It'll take bitterness out of the church. Envy, jealousy, meanness, evil. It'll take it out. You know why? Because our hearts will be transformed. And we'll be crucified with Christ. And he will live through us. That's his desire for a servant of God. 
And then if you'll look with me in the book of Philippians chapter 2, I found it interesting in Galatians chapter 2. He said, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And so when I, when, I, when I got to looking at those words, Christ liveth in me, I thought of another passage that talks about Christ himself being a servant. This is how Christ lived, and this is how Christ would desire to live in you and in me. Let's start in Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love. So it's very clear that this, we are to be a carbon copy of exactly what the Apostle Paul is writing. Fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love. Being of one accord, of one mind. Our mind, our spirit, our ways are all supposed to be in accord with the word of God. Not according to what I think, not according to what you think, not according to what I feel, not according to what you feel, but what saith God? That's what we are supposed to be in one accord with. There are issues that the Bible does not address. The Bible, for example, does not address celebrating Christmas Day. There's people who are offended by it and there's people who are encouraged by it. Romans chapter 14 tells us clearly that that brother who's offended by Christmas and that brother who celebrates Christmas are supposed to be able to come into the church house and sit on the same pew in peace and harmony with each other and worship the Lord. They're not to antagonize each other. They're not to hate each other. They're not to tear each other apart. They're not to judge each other. They have liberty. The scriptures did not deal with that issue. Fulfill you my joy that you be like-minded, having the same, co- the same love, being of one, mind, uh, of one accord, of one mind. Notice verse number three. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. It's the will of God for contentions to cease. It's the will of God for strife to cease. As the word of God said, where there is no wood, the fire goeth out. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. I would say that I know I need to work on that. And I'm pretty sure that I'd be hitting right target on to say the very large majority of all of us need to work on that. In lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Can you see where being a servant goes the exact opposite of the way that a natural man thinks? And it goes the exact opposite of the way that a normal person operates. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let's let's look at verse 5 and 6. Let this mind be in you. Notice that word let. It it, it means to allow and to give liberty unto. So we need to give liberty unto this mind being in us. 
We need to give ourselves unto this mind. As Paul told Timothy about the things that he preached, he said, give thyself wholly unto them. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, I'm pretty sure, I know me, and I'm pretty sure I know that if I asked, every person in this room, every person in this auditorium would raise their hand and say, well, I want to be like Jesus. I want to act like Jesus. I want to talk like Jesus. I want to think like Jesus. I want to live like Jesus. Well, this is where it starts. By letting this mind be in you. And that's where we come into I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. This is a decision that is not only made every morning, but it's made all through the day. It's made in every response. It's made in every statement. It's made before every word comes out. It's made in every action. When we fail in our spirit, when we fail in our attitude, when we fail in our words, when we fail in an action, it all goes back to we did not let this mind be in us. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery, not, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. Do you see that? The Bible tells us very clearly, he is God. He is Lord. Somebody say amen. amen. But yet he humbled himself and took upon him the form of a servant. He humbled himself. This is a decision that I have to make, that you have to make for yourself. My friend, I'm just going to tell you that I would counsel you not to pray, God, please humble me. You're asking for sore troubles. The Bible says, humble yourself. That means we need to realize who God is. That means we need to realize what he said. That means we need to realize that he is right and that we are wrong. And we need to adhere to adhere to what he said, to his way. But made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Verse number eight, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Servanthood is not only for when it's convenient. Servanthood is not only for when it's comfortable. Servanthood is not only for when it's pleasant. Being a servant of God is not only about when it's easy. Matter of fact, tonight we'll get into verse number two through four in the book of James, and it deals actually with the exact opposite of when it's not pleasant of when it's difficult. God would desire for me to be a servant. God would desire for you to be a servant when it's easy and pleasant and comfortable and when it's very difficult and uncomfortable. The Lord Jesus Christ became a servant that was obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. It's traditionally believed that James, the brother of the Lord, was stoned to death by the Pharisees between AD 62 and AD 69. And it is believed that this execution was carried out by the order of the high priest. 
If that traditional concept is true, James himself would have been obedient unto death. The Apostle Paul was beheaded and was found obedient unto death. John the Baptist, the Lord Jesus Christ himself said, there is not a greater born among women. Amen. And John the pa Baptist got his head cut off for preaching the word of God. May I point out somebody in that story that's not often referenced is that wicked-hearted woman. And there's no lady in this church that comes to my mind when I say that. It might be some wicked-hearted man, and there's no man that comes to my mind. But may I tell you, John the Baptist, he preached what God said. Matter of fact, he preached something that's not allowed to be preached in most churches today. He preached what God said. And he got put in prison for it. And the king did not, or the governor, did not want to kill him. But because he gave an oath, because some wicked lady danced before him in an evil fashion, he gave an oath that he'd give her up to half the kingdom. And she went to her mama, who could have had half of the kingdom. And you know how full of bitterness and hatred and evil she was full of? You know what she wanted? The head of the preacher. Because he preached what God said. She could have repented. She could have humbled herself. She could have gotten saved. She could have become a servant. She could have gotten right. Well, she was filled with her own way. And when I think about this, James, a servant of God, and I think about those words that we read from, from, from Galatians and from Philippians, my mind wanted to conclude verse number one today with a simple evaluation of biblical servants. It's simple to read, but in my opinion, it's not simple to live up to. To become a servant of God, I must, you must, we all must lose our will Amen. to the Father, no matter what comes. We must lose our will. Can you say, can I say, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. You know what that means? My words, my actions, my thoughts, those things I do, all of it is Jesus Christ living through us. I'd say we all fall short. And we will continually fall short. Which shows us that this is a life that we must seek to live. This is not a one-time decision where somebody goes to an altar and says, God, I want to be a servant. Please help me and goes back to their people. No, my friend, this is a life. This is a decision from that day on the altar through every sentence that is spoken, through every reaction that is given, through everything, through every interaction, we yield to the will of the Father. I think that's one reason why you don't find so many people in the word of God called a servant of God. A servant of God. The first thing I see about a servant is they have to be surrendered. 
Look with me in the book of Romans. I have no new truth this morning. Simply reminding you of something we all know. Romans 12, 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. This presenting your bodies, when I read this, it, it brings to my mind, for example, in the military, when they would present arms and they would snap into attention before the authorities that evaluate them. The Bible tells us to present ourselves unto God as a living sacrifice. This is not like, like the Muslims do where they strap on a bomb and they kill themselves. No, Jesus wants us to live for him. He wants us to glorify him. He wants our every word, our every action, our every deed. The Bible said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. It's a life. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy. There's that word again. Holy. You know why? Because if we're not holy, we can't serve God. I didn't say it. He did. Now, we can deceive ourselves. We can lie to ourselves. We can try to become like the world, and, 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 and that's not of God. The Bible says in the book of James, we'll get to it at some point, the friend of the world is the enemy of God. No, I'm not arrogant. No, I'm not cocky. No, I don't think I'm better than anybody. God said that. We must preach it. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, but notice the next word, acceptable. Acceptable unto God. Are we acceptable unto God? Our servanthood, our heart, our ways, who we are. Are we surrendered unto him? Are we acceptable? Acceptable unto God, but notice these next words, which is your reasonable service. This is nothing much to be asked for. Verse number two, and be ye not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. There's no way I'm going to get this quote right. But Charles Spurgeon said something to the effect that the reason the church has so little influence over the world is because the world has so much influence inside the church. The reason we don't have power in the church that changes the lives of the people in the world is because the power in the world has touched the lives of the people in the church. And the people in the church, rather than living for God, are living for the world while in the church. We're supposed to be different. Amen? Surrendered, But not only surrendered, but, I, but I, these are two words that are so close in meaning, yet there is difference. Surrendered and submissive. John chapter 2, verse 5, the mother of the Lord Jesus Christ said very clear, Brother Robbie preached this at a mission conference. Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. The surrender... It means you go to the Lord. Yeah, Lord, I surrender my life to you. I'll do what you said. But how many times do those that are surrendered not submissively obey the Lord? 
How many times in an invitation or walking out of a gas station or in a restaurant or wherever you were and the Holy Ghost said, I believe you need to go tell her the gospel. I believe you need to go give them $50 and help them out. I believe you need to go buy them some groceries. I believe you need to go help this person, whatever the need was. And how many times have we not submissively adhered to the word of the Holy Ghost? If we're going to be a servant of God, we have to be. You, you're a servant of God. You know where his influence comes. You know where it comes. Well, he's, he's completely lost to the will of God. He's completely resigned to the will of God. He's completely sold to the will of God. So when he prays, there's power. When he prays, things happen that usually don't happen when other people pray because, because he or she, they're, they're not praying for their will. They're praying for God's will. I see it surrendered. I see it submissive. But if you'll look with me in Philippians chapter 3, verse 8, I see the satisfaction of a servant. The Apostle Paul, I mean the man who had to be let down out of a window in a basket, he was stoned until he was perceived to be dead. And all these preachers were standing around him looking at him thinking he was dead. And he got up and walked back into the city and started preaching. He had been beaten. He had been put in prison. He had been shipwrecked. I mean a man who had suffered a lot. This is his words. Philippians chapter 3 verse 8. Sorry, I'm in Ephesians. Philippians chapter 3 verse 8. Well, let's back up. Verse number seven. But, th what, but what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. I see Paul was satisfied. The Bible, Psalm 103, it talks about, he satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. Paul was so satisfied that while in prison, Philippians is a prison epistle, while in prison, suffering he said hey I count everything but dung for Jesus Christ he was satisfied not only is this servant surrendered and their will is, is just completely sold to the Lord whatever you say Lord I'll do it not only are they surrendered, but they're submissive. When the Holy Ghost says, do this, they don't fight them for three weeks before they go tell somebody the gospel. I wonder how many people are in hell because somebody who, who was saved did not listen to the Holy Ghost and go tell somebody the gospel. But then I find that he was satisfied. Satisfied. He wasn't seeking after something else. He was satisfied with Jesus. 
But then I see also that a servant, they have to be secure in who they are. A lot of people, they'll come to church and whatnot, but they're not secure. They're not secure in being a servant of God. The Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter number 1, in verse number 16, he said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Are you ashamed? Am I ashamed? Or are we secure in who we are in Jesus Christ? But then I think about, I think to me, and I, every person has the way that they think, but I think one of the most, most powerful trademarks of a servant of God is their sweet spirit. Y'all pray for me, I don't always have one. And you don't either. Amen. <laughs> Hope Brother Robbie don't mind me sharing this. He's over there saying, oh, no. <laughs> but we were in, we were in, the, in the airport in, in Korea, and, and he, he had talked about that Miss Jen has to tell him not to get disagreeable. <laughs> but their sweet spirit. You know what the Bible said about the prophet Daniel? That an excellent spirit was found in him. An excellent spirit. You know what Daniel was? He was completely surrendered, submitted, satisfied, and secure with who he was, with where he was in the Lord. And that enabled him to yield everything to the Lord. Not my will, thy will. Not my way, your way. Not my wants, your wants. Not my road, your road. I don't think that Daniel would have chosen to be in Babylon as a captive. But he was where he was in the providence of God, right with the Lord, obedient, and used mightily by God. Sweet spirit. The type of people that you get around and it's always just so sweet. It's always so comforting. I think that's a trademark of a servant. I think it speaks more loudly than everything else. Although they're soft and sweet, it's very bold. And everyone notices it. Something else about a servant is they have to be steadfast. But you see, in the life of a servant, everything's not going to go my way. And everything is not going to go your way. Everything is not going to be comfortable. Everything is not going to be easy. Sometimes you're going to go through things where your heart will break. Sometimes you're going to go through things where you're just completely misunderstood. Sometimes you're going to go through things where you're hated for no reason. Sometimes you're going to go through, through things that I'm not even going to think of to mention. 
But the Bible said, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57 and 58, Thanks be unto God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. It's for a reason. It's for a purpose. But a servant has to be surety. They have to be dependable. The Bible said it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Would we be found faithful? My friend, I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching at all of us, me included. This is what God says we all should be. I've quoted these verses many times, or I've read them, but in Leviticus chapter number 10. If we're going to walk with the Lord, if we want the blessing of the Lord, then it has to be his way. Leviticus 10, verse 1 through 3. And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer and put fire therein and put incense therein, thereon, and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. There's a lot of strange fire today. That word strange, it means, it's, it's referring to unknown to the scriptures, unknown to God, unknown to his way. It's strange. When the Bible refers to a strange woman, it's not referring to her skin color, it's referring to who her God was. That's why the Bible did not call Ruth a strange woman. She was from Moab. But what did she say to Naomi? She said, your God will be my God. And there went out fire from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. Then Moses said unto Aaron, this is that the Lord spake, saying, I will be sanctified in them that come nigh me. And before all the people, I will be glorified. God is holy. It comes with the package. Everything about him. His words, his spirit. His spirit is so holy that he's called the Holy Spirit. His name is holy. Isaiah 57, 15, Thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is Holy. It's who he is. And if we are going to be his servant and execute his will and follow him and do his bidding, we have to be holy, positionally holy in Jesus Christ by the blood and practically holy, living according to the word of God. Amen? That servant of the Lord, they're perceived as weak. But one of the servants of the Lord, the Apostle Paul, he didn't write telling us to be weak. But if you'll look with me in the book of Ephesians chapter number 10, he actually wrote telling you and I to be strong. And he told us how to be strong. 
Starting in verse number 10, I'm just going to read, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. The servant of the Lord has to be strong. You won't remain if you can't fight back. You won't remain if you don't learn how to resist the devil. The spirit of the servant of the Lord has to be sensitive to the Holy Ghost. We're told in the scriptures to live in the spirit. We're told in the scriptures to walk in the spirit. We're told in the scriptures to pray in the spirit. Everything about our life is supposed to be in the Holy Spirit. Our minds are supposed to be transformed by the Holy Ghost. When we get saved, our hearts are regenerated by the Holy Ghost. We're supposed to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. But then I say this, the servant of the Lord, just by studying that phrase, a servant of God, it's not mentioned many times. And it shows you that a genuine servant of God is, is special because they are rare. I desire that God would mold me to be that servant. I see many of you nodding your heads that, that God might mold you to be that servant. That servant of God is going to be one that seeks the Lord. I didn't read all of, I, I didn't read the entire verse of Isaiah fifty-seven fifteen, but let me read the rest of what it said. Isaiah chapter 57, in verse number 15. Thus saith the high and lofty one, that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. Notice what he said here. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and a humble spirit to revive the heart, or to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. This servant of God is going to have to be somebody who is seeking the Lord. Who walks with him. Who has a relationship with him. This servant of the Lord is going to be somebody who is soul conscious. All around us are living souls. They will live for eternity. There will be no end. There's heaven and there's hell. And they will spend eternity somewhere. The only way that we will effectively reach them is to be what God wants us to be. 
Look with me in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 1. Who we are, the way we live, the way that we obey God, very much has power in how we reach people with the gospel. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 1 and verse number 5. For our gospel came not unto you in word only. So we didn't just come speaking a bunch of empty, dead, dry words. As the Apostle Paul said in, 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 in the book of Corinthians, for my pre speech and my preaching was not with the enticing words of man's wisdom, but was in the demonstration of the spirit and of power, declaring unto you the testimony of God. And even so here, for our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power, in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance. But notice this last phrase. As you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. The way I live, the way you live, the way I obey the Bible, the way you obey the Bible, it very much has a whole lot to do with reaching people with the gospel. And then last, the servant of the Lord, his sufficiency alone is God. In 2 Corinthians chapter number 3, 2 Corinthians chapter number 3, Verse number five, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. Oh, there's a lot of questions that'll come. Well, if you're going to follow God, how are you going to do this? If you're going to follow God, how are you going to do that? How are you going to live? How are you going to pay the bills? How are you going to excel? M.R. Dahan trained as a medical doctor and never practiced but rather decided to just follow God. Our sufficiency alone is God, sustained by God, led by God, all things provided for by God. You see, my friend, a servant has no control in their life. And so the servant of God is a willful yielding of my life and your life, of everything in my life and your life, and everything about my life and your life. It is a willful yielding unto God, everything. So to speak, signing a blank page to God. Let's stand. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can that be said of you? Can that be said of me? This altar is open. If you need to do the business with the Lord.
am dying, oh Lord. I have heard thy voice and it told thy love to me. But I long to rise in the arms of faith and be closer drawn to thee. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to thy precious bleeding side. in the house of the Lord today. Um, one thing I need to correct, I think I told it to Brother Rob and it wasn't clear at the beginning of the service. Um, the watch night service on, on the 31st, we'll have normal services that morning, but we will not have a 6 p.m. service. We'll just have service from 8 to midnight and then we'll have a break in between and God willing have some snacks and finger food. So let's pray and we'll be dismissed. Heavenly Father, Work in hearts, lead God and direct all things according to your will. God, help me and help all of us to be your servants for the glory of God. In Jesus' name I pray.